Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our new series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. You know, the devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he's a, he's a thief. And he's out to take our most valuable asset. And that is our identity in Christ. Identity is the door to your earthly destiny. And for all of us, our eternal destiny. Identity is the key to the decisions that you make, the actions that you will carry out, and ultimately, believe it or not, it reveals the confession of who your God truly is. The enemy is a flat-out liar. But you need to understand something. That Satan himself has an identity. We need to explore the primary characteristics of his identity. Our main focus, of course, is actually staying focused on our identity in Christ. Then we can take a look at that phony that replication, that replica, and be able to pick it apart. And that is what the Identity Theft series is all about. This is 135 in our Identity Matters series, which is a lot of messages on identity. But this is only number three in our series on identity theft. Those of you who are just joining our podcast... I really encourage you to go back, find some time, and listen to part one and part two. Each one of these messages are building upon each other. Today's message title is The Birth of Deception. Who would have thunk that deception needed to be born? But it does. Deception also must face death before you can have life. If deception does not face death, listen to this very carefully. If deception does not face death, you will never live the victorious, indwelt Christian life while you're on earth. Your destiny while on earth will be defeat, agony, depression, anxiety, and any other psychological or psychobabble label that you could throw out right now that most of you that are listening are on medication for. You are trying to sedate deception. This deception is screaming out in your mind. You know that the medicines are not doing the job. 
And those of you who are addicted to anything from alcohol to these medicines, you know inside it's doing no good. For you can't kill deception. Deception demands to be breathing in your life. It has to die before you will have life. In the Hebrew, deceive is, quote unquote, what comes from the man of chaos. Now, chaos is this. Now, when I give you the, the, the word picture of chaos, there's going to be some listeners going, that's my life. But here's chaos. Now listen very carefully. Chaos is taking a timeline of everything being in order. Remember that uh, little trick where you put the peanut underneath the shells and you move it around and the whole goal is deception? And then, of course, the one who's doing it typically drops the peanut in their hand as they're, as they're moving it so that they win hands down every time. That is Satan. He keeps you guessing all day long every day. He wants you to take the things out of God, his anointed timeline, and move the pieces around. Chaos is simply taking something out of order. And it produces an emotional response. That's chaos. You see, that's why I am very, very, very cautious and careful about people putting demands on me and having me move my schedule around constantly. It's chaotic because they're feeling chaotic. And they think because they're feeling chaotic and anxious and, and those things that, that everything and everyone around them needs to stop. And then move things over, drop their peace in so that they don't feel emotionally out of order anymore. Oh, God help us. When you mess with the sovereign timeline of God, many times you take out the pieces that God is using in that person's life to bring order in your life. They just don't want to suffer. So the dynamic behind deception is chaos. The dynamic behind chaos is demanding that God changes his ordained supernatural timeline to make you feel better because that's what you expect when you put that pill in your mouth in the morning to battle your depression. And if it doesn't work anymore, you go to your doctor and you say, I need a new kind of medicine. Because this just isn't doing it anymore. Really? You see, once the flesh becomes accustomed to a sedation, it demands more. That's why we have the term addiction. Additives to the norm. That's all addiction means. Go look it up yourself. It's adding to what is normal. 
And that's what Satan wants to do with us, is to add things to the norm, listen carefully, to the norm of your identity in Christ. It's not necessarily to take it, because he knows he can't. Let's just add a few things. And you'll be just like the rest of the unbelievers. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Who's your God? Now, recently I was told that there was a mother driving down the road, looked into the field of a field full of Milo, and as you looked into the field of Milo, there were some pieces that were taller than the others, and they stood out. And she was sharing with her little guy the illustration of, honey, if you look out into that field and, and you see all the Milo that is out there, those are Christians, people that are Christ's followers. But the ones that are standing above the Milo are the true indwelt ones. That's one of the best illustrations I've heard in a long time. Because that's exactly, literally, what it is. Listener, I don't care what country you're in. I don't care what horrid circumstances you're suffering right now. I don't care how rich you are and how you pay off all of your distress by adding things to your life. doesn't matter. We're all in the same condition. But are we all in the same position? Not me. I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I suffer not. In fact, I will tell you, that I am imperfect and suffer all the more because of it. Who's wearing the bullseye? The ones standing above the crop. I couldn't pick out really any of that of of that that crop that is kind of standardized like all the rest of them, except for the ones that were right in front of me, but I could pick out one that was on the other side of the field as Jane was giving me this illustration. Incredible illustration, obviously, from the Lord. The deceiver looks at you, you tall growers, and he's got his little potato launcher, and he knows exactly who to hit, how to hit them, but I'll give him this. He's a good shot. He's a very good shot. He's patient. He's like a sniper. And he's patient and he's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right shot. And when he fires that thing, that bullet comes out of nowhere, miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away from where he really is, and you get hit in the back of the head with it. Because you were clueless. Well, some innocence is great. But you discovering who your God really is, who your earthly destiny is really worshiping, is probably a good idea. I mean, is it your marriage? What would you do if your spouse died tonight? And you know, as I'm speaking, I hope you guys understand this. But before the message is done tonight, there are going to be listeners that will die. Death doesn't happen as 
ill-frequently as we have the tendency to think. It's by the droves every second. Some seconds more than others. You see, everyone's faced with this final death. And most, honestly, never took the time to discover who their God really was. Now, I'm a believer in the security of salvation. But I'm also not stupid. And I've got this feeling, this sense inside me, that the God at the point of your death is going to make a significant difference for eternity. Does that mean this preacher here is saying, if you're backslidden, when you die, you lose your salvation? No, but what I will say is that if the backslider dies, and that's reported to me and someone just sharing it with me, I would definitely question if they were ever indwelt. But I don't know that. The only way I can know it is to see if they're standing up above the crop. You see what I'm saying? If they're not standing up above the crop, it would be hard to tell. Never assume. Ever assume. I'm not sure what we're going to feel on the other side or how we're going to feel on the other side. There is all kinds of scriptures stating we will feel, we will see, and we will remember our lives on earth. But I cannot live with, as some of you know who walk with me daily, you know I simply annoy the daylights out of people because I will never assume someone is indwelt. Because I don't want to get on the other side and say, I treated my brother his entire life as if he was a Christian indwelt by Jesus Christ. But he was not. We need to handle people in such a way to test to see if they are suffering with deception. If they are, it must die. Here's a picture of Jesus. Those of you who are listening online, you might want to download the PDF to see these slides. I'm going to start using lots of graphics in these messages over the next uh, six months. So you're going to want to get your hands on these pictorials. In this slide, there's a picture of Jesus sitting on the rock, and he's contemplating. And we have Satan standing there, leaning over with his dark wings, this dark robe, and he's got this rock in his hand, and he's about to tempt Jesus with something that, to you and I, would kind of seem ridiculous. Now, if you know Jesus a little bit, nothing is ridiculous. He's about to be tempted in something that was so not ridiculous that would truly tempt him. A rock. So this is Jesus' decision point. You say, well, well, didn't Jesus have a bunch of decision points, you know, before this? No. There is no demon, there is no devil 
that is going to approach Jesus Christ until God the Father says, Now. And Jesus was told to go to that mountaintop. For he shall be tempted. Temptation is not from God. It is allowed by God. For a reason. God, the Father, was about to nail down the very identity of Jesus Christ, who was his only son. Even he needed to put deception to death. Key to destiny, if Satan can get you for a moment, just for a moment, to forget who you are in Christ, you will forget Jesus. You see, Satan has to, at this moment, with this rock in his hand, now notice he's not a red-faced devil. He's a very, very, very attractive being. We turned him into Halloween. We gave him human flesh-deteriorating characteristics. He's not like that at all. He is very beautiful. He's perfect in the way he says things. He's perfect in the way he delivers things. He's perfect with thinking through every strategic way of trying to get Jesus to pull out that piece that is in God's timeline. Jesus has to hang on at this moment, folks, to keep that piece in the timeline and don't touch it. This is his moment. He must pass this test. God said, I test whom I love. If you think you're big enough to not go through a test like this, I would really question your salvation. Testing is absolutely required to put deception to death. 602-292-2982. Once he takes this moment, gets us to move our mind away from the mind of Christ from within, he now has us. Because I guarantee you, you're not thinking about Jesus. Once your mind shifts away from the mind of Christ in you and dwelt, you're thinking about the enemy. If you're not indwelt, but you're one of these Christians who think that that's going to get you to heaven, your mind is darkened, as Paul said. So you will be deceived. There's no light in life to actually stop you from being deceived. Because you are the picture, the snapshot, the selfie of Satan. Yes, I'll say it again. You are the picture, the snapshot, the selfie of Satan. You are his reflection if you're not indwelt by Jesus Christ. If you are indwelt by Jesus Christ, Satan's not getting to see his face in your life. So he must deceive like he did Eve before she was the reflection of him. See how it works? Deception is for the believers. Deception is for those who are nailed down and perfected in Christ Jesus. Or in Adam and Eve's case, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. 
So here's the end result. You will directly or indirectly serve Satan and become like him. I am saying this day that if you are being deceived like this, as an indwell believer, you can serve Satan every day and worship him and obey him while you're walking around claiming, I'm an indwell Christian. I expect all Christ followers to act like a religious Satan. All of them. Because they are. But I don't expect that out of indwells. Nor should you. And if you don't know the difference between those two, I'd give that number a call. Because there's a huge difference. We must break this down now. Open your Bibles to Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. This is where this dramatic story begins to unfold. It says, Then Jesus was led up by what or who? The Spirit. Into the wilderness. Now God is obviously, the Father is obviously communicated to the Holy Spirit to use his power to lead Jesus to a point of decision. God didn't want his son to suffer temptation. That's a bad question. He wanted him to have his decision point of putting deception to death. Eve didn't do that. Adam didn't do that. You see, all of mankind was born into deception because Adam and Eve did not do that. Now Jesus has to be the second Adam who hits this decision point and says, I am the son of the living God. You cannot tempt me. I cannot be deceived. No. He calls on the identity of his father. This is absolutely, if you just take some time and pray over this scripture, will dissolve a lot of improper doctrines that maybe your church put inside your fruitile mind. I have a fruitile mind. It's weak. It's frail. It can be programmed at any second by Satan. If I don't handle this decision point, as Jesus did. And after he had fasted for 40 days, he became hungry. I, even as I was rereading this, cutting and pasting this into the, to the slide, I'm like, are you kidding? I wouldn't have made it till the evening meal on the first day. Where's my Twinkie? Where's my Chinese food? 40 days, he's finally hungry. Okay. That alone is kind of miraculous. Then he became hungry, and the tempter came. Now, he waited until after Jesus was hungry. So what are you hungry for? A good marriage? What are you hungry for? Healthy children? What are you hungry for? Is it to have more conveniences? What is your hunger? Satan's not coming to you until you're hungry. You want more. 
He can't spoil your flesh until your flesh is hungry. So remember that as we go through this today. The tempter came and said to him, If you, if you are, if you are the Son of God. I'm like, is he stupid? He's been battling Jesus from eternity past, from whenever God, God formed him as an angel. This is not a new battle. But see what he's doing is he's actually insulting him. He's insulting his identity. That's what he's doing. The way you rile someone is you insult their identity. If it's their marriage, you insult their marriage. If it's their money, you insult their money. If it's whatever. That's how you get a good fight going. So he says, if you are the son of God, identity, Command these stones to become bread. So he's connecting the then became hungry with bread. Makes sense. But he answered and said, It is written. Who's the word? God's the word. So it is written. In other words, the word, my father. He's putting things in place. He's making sure all those pieces in that timeline don't get moved. So it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the word. God. Which became Jesus' identity. For he became the word to dwell among us, so that we would behold his glory. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. Now, having them both up there, that must have been kind of crowded. And said, if you are, if you are, that's if you are, the Son of God, the Son of Identity, the Son of the Word, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Satan, are you stupid? Because this is very obvious. The angels are holding him up while he's being tempted. This is happening while he's being tempted. And you don't think that Satan cannot see the spiritual warfare of his own domain while he's doing this? Of course he was. But Jesus wasn't because he became his man. I get it, Lord. I definitely get it. And of course the story finishes on angels, doesn't it? As powerful as that is. So Satan uses God's identity to deceive. Because he's not an originator even of deception. He has to use God's facts and twist them, and that's what makes deception. Chaos. Moves him around, that's best for his benefit. Where's the peen? Jesus. See, he was taking advantage of the fact that Jesus became man. Now, there's some people out there that do see the demonic world. I feel bad for you, I'll tell you that right now. I've seen it a couple times and that's enough. Nightmares are supposed to be snapshots of that world. 
You wonder where these nightmares come from? It is your mind piercing through the edges of another world. How that's done is none of my business, but I know it's true. He is in full gear here. He's crafty. He's smart. He's cutting edge. He's connecting all the right dots. But it's just simply not working because Jesus is putting his security of position in front of the condition that he's being tempted with. Do you see that? Satan's putting the emphasis on condition. Jesus is putting the emphasis on position. That's the practical thing I want you to catch tonight. It will save you in times of temptation. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, Here we go again. You shall not put the Lord thy God word to the test. Now here's the deal. Is the whole temptation thing is laid out there, and Jesus knows. I mean, he's the Son of God. Even though he wasn't a former man, his mind is what we have inside of us. He knew there was a testing from Satan to God. Remember when Adam said, The woman which thou hast given me? You see, that was his grave decision, is testing God. God didn't get upset. He knew. But this is what's going on here. See, Jesus said, This isn't about me, is it? This, this is not about me. You want to test my father. You hate my father. You hate that he is the dent, the impact of eternity. You hate my father. And you're trying to pay him back. And you want to use me and tempt me to move his pieces around. Read my lips. It's not going to happen. You'd think Satan would have got that, huh? No, this is the day he got fired up. As he visits you in your dark dreams, remember this. That's your moment. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to be fearful? Are you going to be startled? Are you going to move the pieces around? Are you going to start calling people because you're scared? Well, you might have to do that because you're so weak. And we are all there in these bad moments. But I'm giving you the answer. Satan's not after you. He's not after your children, even though he targets us and our children. He hates God. He's testing God through you, that you question and doubt God. That's all it takes for a downward spiral to kick in. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will, decision, point, give you. If you fall down and worship me. Oh, now he's finally getting honest. The only meme part of this whole deal is he wants to be worshipped. And he knows he can't do that until he, unless he becomes God. 
He knows the rules. So the end result is this. Then Jesus said to him, decision based on his identity, of course, Go, Satan. For it is written. Don't use your warfare prayers that someone taught you or something you read out of a book. Those should be samples of how this should happen instantly. That's when you just simply rise up in bed. You don't need four hours of therapy with God in your living room. You need four seconds of decision point. Satan, get ye behind me, for the Lord thy God cannot be tested. You say those words out loud. Whatever this evil is that has been assigned to you that night shall flee. Jesus' half-brother said this, Submit therefore to God the word. Resist the devil, and he shall flee. The discussion is over. And Jesus knew this was the anointed time on God's timeline for this discussion to cease. Go, Satan. And, of course, the passage shows us that the angels came and ministered to him. Do you know what that means? This was a sweat and blood experience for him. I am the Son of God. This is not difficult for me, nor shall it be for you. Are you kidding? Facing darkness should drag the sweat out of you. But what you're fighting with is what I'm really wondering. Are you fighting it with some memorized prayer you've learned? Some rote prayer? Some paragraph out of a book? If you are handling your prayers as rote prayers, forget about it. Because nothing's going to happen. Unless there's a spirit-led prayer coming through you, nothing's going to happen. But when you go into most churches and sit down in a pew, after that little pad underneath you gets nice and warm, and you start enjoying your service, typically the norm is, you open a book, and you pastor reads this, and then you read that, and then you don't have this. And we, we handle the scriptures like there's some kind of something we're supposed to memorize. I have the living word of God alive inside this mortal body. Burn my Bible. It's not going to change anything. I want my Bible, and I don't want it burned. Don't get me wrong. But it won't change me, because I know my position no matter what their condition is that they're putting upon me. The Word of God can shoot out of your mouth so fast. As my pastor friend I told you about in Phoenix, who was in his late 50s when he came up at break time, and he said, I've got a confession for you. I knew what he was going to say. And I said, well, yeah, go ahead, share. He's holding his Bible, and it's all beat up. I knew what he was going to say. Because even as he's talking to me, He's got his Bible in his hands and he's, he's, you know, kind of tapping it and he's, he's just, you know, like you would see with most preachers. He couldn't say it and I just looked at him and I said, you don't know how to read, do you? He said, no, I don't. I said, how long have you been a preacher? 
since I was 14. I said, you're pastoring a church right now? And he said, yes. How long have you been pastoring this church? He said, most of my adult life. I know exactly what's going on in that man. You see, I didn't bring rejection, which is what he's used to. You can't get in the pulpit if you can't read the Word. And I said, where in the world are you getting this truth? Already knowing the answer, of course. Wise man always asks questions he's got the answers to. <laughs> and so he says, well, I listen, I listen to other preachers, and I'm in prayer, and I war in prayer, and he's, you know, he's sharing with me basically from the Spirit from within. I said, well, I want to encourage you to learn how to read. Just get it confessed out to your body. Go learn how to read, because it'll just enrich your life as a preacher. Which hopefully that's what it did. You don't need to know how to read for the Spirit to cut through you. Do you understand that people didn't even learn how to read until the 13th century? You had to be very rich to be taught languages, whereas we take them for granted. So how does this happen? This cute little baby over here? We have all these killers. Some of them probably look very familiar to the... I just did a screen capture on the first thing that came up, so this went, the scrolling went on and on and on. How does this happen? This cute, this cute little baby. And then they grow up to be this. It's already happening. Maybe it won't be you're going to raise a serial killer. Okay? I pray not. But it does happen. What about this? You have this cute little baby over here. And you all have all these religions and people all twisted up and thinking they're their own gods and self-effort and just anything but Jesus. How's that happen? Well, probably be a good idea to take a look at just how that does happen. You got uh, the identity thief though, over here on the left side of the slide. You have we the people, and that's the problem. We the people. That is the problem of our nation. We the people. Not we the people that serve Jesus Christ. So his whole goal is to take the we the people in countries all over the world and to have them firmly establish that we are the people. How dare you come against my opinion and my beliefs? He is indirectly getting himself in this position of being world leader. That's his goal. So what he's going to do with all these different colors that are a representation of different gods because they have their own self-opinions of who they are, identity. He doesn't care what they pick as an identity. Buddha, Muhammad, or anyone else you want to throw in there. It's in the millions, the self-proclaimed gods that are in the world today. He doesn't care. You can serve anything you want because anything that isn't Jesus Christ is good to go. He knows that. So ultimately, he is getting served without people even believing there's going to be an Antichrist. How clever is 
that. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to show Hades to the recesses of the pit, which is literally in the book of Revelation. Just might think he gets it. But see, deception is deception. There is no one, no being, that is more deceived than Satan. So he can't get it. He could do exactly what Jesus did, and he's not going to get it. And Jesus knew that, so he just said, Go! Be gone! But see, the doctrines had to be stated for you even though Satan didn't accept them. I get them when I read it. They were for us, part of the gospel. Satan has six goals, primary goals as an identity theft. So next week, we're going to start with goal number one. So hang on to your notes. I knew that tonight was going to be a longer message. But hang on to your notes. Those of you who are listening online, this will give you some time to get that PDF printed because they are great diagrams and tools that are in there that uh, you're probably going to want to make use of. But through these goals, there are secondary objectives. There are so many people that have goals, but no objectives. It's a trap. It builds performance. Satan himself has done a refined job of putting objectives under every goal that he has to be the world leader. And we're going to piece those babies down. So the starting of next week's message, we're going to give you five primary folds that Satan has with objective number one. And then I'm going to quickly give you the rest of his goals, and then we're going to come back and piece down those goals one each week so that you see his objectives. See, if I know what your objective is in talking to me, then I know how to handle you. But if you just give me a goal, that is so subjective it's ridiculous. But most people live off of goals, to-do list, and there's no objectives on how they're going to get there. So they're constantly frustrated with performance. It's called works. Lots of stuff to talk about. Lots of stuff to come to and realize. I'm going to keep the pieces in the timeline of God. And yes, I will be tempted not to. And as soon as that block gets moved a little bit, I'm going to be very quick to get that thing put back in place because it's the moment that changes the destiny. Contact us at IOM America, 
888-382-9982. Or you can check out our website at www.iomamerica.org. Send me a personal email at drfinney at iomamerica.org. That's D-R-P-H-I-N-N-E-Y at iomamerica.org. These messages are on YouTube. You just type in your YouTube search bar, Dr. Finney, and it'll take you right to our channel. Or Sermon.net, you can actually download the app and have our messages available to you anytime you want to listen to them. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.